Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers. So your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast made for you, food bloggers seeking value for your businesses and your lives. Today, I will be interviewing Rachel from tolovestudio.com, and we will talk about how to find inspiration, be unique, and harness creative momentum. Rachel Koronek is an Aussie food photographer living in Vancouver. She loves capturing visual stories that emphasize the beauty of real food. Rachel has worked for clients of all sizes all over the world. She has taught over a thousand students how to create beautiful food photography that makes their community and clients hungry. She also has taught editing, a subject she actually is super passionate about, at food blogging conferences over the last three years. Rachel, I am excited to have this chat with you today, but before we start, give us a fun fact about yourself. Oh, I love this. So a fun fact about me would be something totally different from photography. I am actually what I call a bird nerd. So my parents were both ornithologists, and they brought me up from a very young age to no birds in Australia. So I can pretty much name, I would say, 80% of birds by either sight or call. Um, so moving to oh Canada yeah, moving to Canada has been interesting because I know nothing. So I'm learning all of that, which is super fun. 
So the birds in Australia are significantly different than the birds in Canada? Yes, we have a lot of parrots and cockatoos and yeah, the difference, there's hummingbirds here and woodpeckers. So that's, that's quite fun for me. That's so fun. I love birds. I'm fascinated, fascinated by them, but I know nothing about them. Like every once in a while, I'll see a random, like I think they're blue jays. Are those the really big ones? Like with the giant heads? They're so rare, but I've seen like three times since we've lived in our house for almost three or four years now. Just like he'll fly into the, our backyard and just sit there and stare at me. I'm like, whoa, that is so crazy. And then like cardinals, I'll see like those really yeah, bright. Yeah, yeah, the red ones. Yeah. yeah, bright red. And then what are the really bright blue ones, the small ones? I know in terms of uh, we have stellar jays up here in Canada, but I'm not, I may not be as, as good in North America in general, but you know, hopefully in a couple of maybe 12 months, I'm going to start to build up my list. I'll talk to you in 12 months. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I love that. So you're actually here today to talk about other things. So let's dive into that and talk about how to gain creative momentum, how to harness it to create unique work that is actually inspiring to others. With blogging and social media platforms being so saturated, I think it seems nearly impossible to a lot of us to actually stand apart from anyone else. And that goes beyond just food photography, which is your area of expertise, Rachel. So standing out also applies to our overall brands, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And our stories and how we approach content for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to start, Rachel, by talking us through how we can find inspiration to be unique? Yeah. So this is something that I've thought about a lot. And I think I know our community, especially on Instagram, has conversations about this. And I think the most challenging thing is that it's such a gray area and everybody is going to approach it differently. So what my goal is just to sort of start that conversation and hope that something might, you know, trigger something within you and just maybe start asking questions on what that looks like for you. So one of the things that I've noticed a lot lately, uh, and this happens to me often, and it happened to me last night on Instagram, is that We'll be scrolling through and maybe we'll see a photo or maybe it's a recipe or maybe it's a a content idea and like we get stopped in our tracks. Like we stop mid-scroll and we're like amazed by whatever this piece of content is and we get this feeling inside and it's like what do we do with that feeling because that feeling usually wants to get us into action. So that's like maybe we want to create something similar or we loved what that person did with a recipe or we love the photo. And so I think what I've been trying to think about is like what do we do with that feeling? Because I think if we don't sort of lean into acknowledging that it's there, it can be a little bit dangerous sometimes because we have this connection to this work that we saw. And often I find if I don't really think about why that piece of content inspired me, we can sort of be led to copy or imitate. And I'm not here to say that those things are right or wrong because there's definitely merit in, you know, finding out how people create certain things. But I think what I'm trying to break down within that feeling is really think about what inspired us the most about that piece of content. So where do you take it from there? So yes, I totally agree with this. And something 
I have figured out in the course of evaluating my own like passions and where those come from, where they stem from, is how emotion is so directly tied to a lot of this. Like you said, I love that you said like you're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Something stopped you in your track. Something made you stop and look. And so like figuring out what that emotion or feeling was and like, you know, what exactly about whatever you're looking at made you stop. So what do you do with that? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So do you have all the answers for us? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've been doing photography and content and and a blog for close to a decade now. And I think the more that you're in this space and the more you create and come up with ideas, I think you get better at sort of understanding the process. And by this time, you will have a style. And I think you can sort of break things down as to how you're going to create something that's unique for yourself. But everybody is at a different point in their journey. And so I think that when you're sort of starting out, you get those feelings and it just inspires you to create, which is amazing because if we want to create content and find our style and put things out into the community, it's better to create than consume content. But if you really want to stay unique, which is what we're talking about, then what I try to do is like when I get that feeling, uh, so there was a photo on Instagram last night and I was like, I was prepping for the podcast and I was going through Instagram and I was like, I want to create that photo. Like I really had these feelings of like, I want to create just that. But for me, I don't think it's authentic to just go and create something that's exactly the same. So I want to really think about what actually inspired me. So I'll break it down And I guess an easy way to think about it is like find one to three things that you want to focus on. So for me, when I was looking at that photo, I was like, what actually inspired me about that piece of content? Was it the lighting? Was it the angle? Was it was the subject? Maybe they presented something differently that I could take a few of those things and bring into my own work. So if we want to like look at exactly what to do or some ideas of things to do, Um, we could think about, you know, maybe there's a cake that you've seen on Instagram, or if I think about the things I'm inspired by, I really love meringue and pavlova. I would love to do layered pavlova. And there's certain people that I would say are my meringue muses on Instagram. So I always go to them for inspiration, but I definitely don't want to create the same things as them. So I would think about if I take that food can I shoot it at a different angle or is it going to be on a completely different background and using like different props and maybe instead of doing exactly the same berries or cream, you might think about doing like a a chocolate swirl pavlova or something that's different. So really just focusing on those one to three things and how you can make that different and then sort of integrate your own style into that. So I think it's harder when you see a photo that is like very similar to your style because there's a lot of subconscious that goes into creating. And especially if we spend a lot of time on certain platforms looking at similar work, I think we can fall into this space where subconsciously we are creating these things, even if we don't realize that we're doing it. So I think that can be one of the best ways to sort of be unique and come back to your own style whilst taking that feeling that you had um, with the connection to that inspiring work. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I like your recommendation to just take one to three things, like what exactly do you like about it? And it's not always clear 
because like we were talking about, sometimes it's just a feeling or an emotion. Like it evoked, I don't know, like you can't even put words to it sometimes. Like I just like it. It just made me feel good. It made me feel happy. So really digging into that is seems kind of challenging, but maybe that's good for your style to kind of figure out what exactly is creating, like stirring up emotion for you. Like if you see a giant chocolate cake dripping down the sides, that's one of the things that I stopped at the other day. I was like, oh, I mean, yes, I love cake and I love creating cakes, but there was something else. There was like, I just loved this photo and I couldn't really say why, but yes, yeah. And, and that happens too. And I think as you do it more, you get better at breaking down what that feeling is. So if it doesn't come to you, you know, that's okay. And sometimes it might come to you later on. So I remember having an idea, like I was really moved by a photo, but I think I actually created something with that feeling like three years later. So it was something that I was like really inspired by that work, but I I didn't want to do the exact same thing. And so it just sort of sat with me until I I really think it was like a couple of years later and I had found a prop that was quite similar. And I was like, I can't do the same thing. I can't do the, the overhead. I think it was a soup. And so eventually it came to me as to what food subject I could use to put into this shot. So some of you might be like, wow, that's sort of crazy. And, you know, I don't want to wait that long. But I think coming back to that subconscious, that a lot of these things that we really are inspired by, they become like part of us. And sometimes it does, for someone who's been in this, doing this for quite some time, you will in the future create something that maybe you are connected to a certain amount of time back in the past, which I actually think is exciting because it, it all these little things come together to sort of be who we are and allow us to take photos or create recipes or whatever it is for our brand that really like means a lot to us. Wow, that's really good stuff. I totally agree. And I've sat with some things too. So I don't think you're crazy. I think that it sounds like, you know, I think that a lot of us creatives actually do that. We see something and we kind of sit with it. We put it in the back of our minds and just kind of let it stew for a little bit. And sometimes it takes longer than others. Like sometimes I'm on it. I'm like, yes, I need to create this now. But I have a few images that I don't even know where they came from, probably somewhere online, but I still have them in my head and I remember exactly what they looked like. And I know that someday I will recreate them. Yeah, I think so that's I'm with so you. special. Like, yeah, it is. It's like a little secret that we're carrying around that nobody knows yet. We're just letting it kind of grow into something and eventually we'll share it with the world. But I feel you on that. And then you said something earlier I wanted to talk about really quick, how it's almost harder when you see a style that's very similar to your own to pick out what you're liking. But when it's something that's entirely different, it's so easy. Like, oh, I love that lighting. I usually don't use that lighting or whatever. But when it is a very similar style, it's really hard to figure out what it is that you're drawn to. Exactly. And I I would almost say for food bloggers too, it might be harder than being a food photographer because as a photographer, you still have your style, but when you do client work, you are expected to be able to execute a range of different lighting and moods. But for like a food blog, you really tend to stick to maybe a couple of varieties of lighting. But if you do like light and airy stuff a lot, then your blog's probably going to have a lot of those 
images and maybe recipes can vary a little bit as well but I think it can be a challenge because this person has a similar style to you and if I think about some of the work that I get inspired by if it's very towards like a minimalist which is what I love, then it is hard because it's like literally it's just a background and maybe the subject and a certain lighting. And so how do you take that and make it your own? So even if you were to take those three things and maybe it was a different, uh, let's just talk about like produce. So maybe it was instead of fruits, it was vegetables. Even if you arranged it differently, it can still mimic in a way. So it it can be challenging to really think about that. So if I really think about just breaking it down and maybe I was like, I really liked that lighting and the way that the shadows fell in a particular subject, I could take just that idea and it could be shot from a different angle. So it felt completely different or adding more things into the frame. So when it comes to minimalism, I tend to think it's not just about not putting stuff in the frame. There's so many different ways you can think about it. It could be in terms of lighting or color. So I think if you can identify what those three things are, then you've done a lot of the hard work because once you have those three things, you can really start to think about how you can present them in a different way. In a unique way. Yeah. I like that. Or maybe it has nothing to do with the food, the actual food at all. But just like that chocolate cake I mentioned, it was more about, I think, just feeling like there was someone else there to share it with. You know, it was just like more of like the whole mood of the photo and it had nothing to do with the cake. I mean, the cake looked amazing, but creating something with an entirely different subject, but with that same feeling of like inviting people into your photo but so there's, I think a lot of thought does go into this. And you mentioned this earlier. I think it gets easier the more you do it. And so if you're a newer blogger and you're frustrated and you're like, ah, I don't know. I mean, I like it, but just do it more. And I like just the idea of scrolling through Instagram a lot and really just taking note of those things that really speak to you. Yeah. And I think that's anytime I put content together to teach people um I get this you know with my students to do this is really from the get-go start to think about how they can read images and break it down to find their own style because I think that's such a valuable thing to be able to do when it comes to being creative yeah I completely agree that's a really great place to start I think what is your best advice Rachel for making space for creativity so that we can find inspiration. Maybe if we're not seeing inspiration, you know, through Instagram or some other platform, finding the inspiration on our own, how do we make space for creativity? Yeah, I think that is something that all of us probably challenged with. And I wanted to talk about at the beginning of this year, I did a 35-day social media detox. Now, I know that's not possible for everybody, but I really decided to do that. So it was in January and I had a really great year the year before. I did a lot of things, but I felt like I was at the door of burnout and I was like, I either walk through it and get burned out or I say no. So I decided I was not going to do that again. I was not going to walk through that door. One of the things that I really felt was that like I just needed a break from the constant um, having to create and being bombarded with content. So I thought 
in order to truly have a break, like I'm not going to be in my emails, I'm not going to be doing work, I'm going to have to be off social media as well just to like connect all those things so I could actually rest. And what I really discovered was, you know, I spent a lot of time on Instagram, even just spending like an hour or two on Instagram every day. There is so much content that we consume either consciously or subconsciously that I think it's really hard to be able to create from within sometimes because those things are just so baked into our subconscious. So not being on social media for 35 days, really when I went to do any sort of photo shoots just for myself, normally I would like look at some inspiration images, but because I wasn't going on those platforms, I really had to create from within. And it was just so fascinating to me to have this total break of content that I wasn't consuming and really just create from my heart or within whatever you want to say. So I was actually so surprised by the work that I was creating. It was like, I mean, the the way I describe it was I, I felt like I was on this winning streak, which is really strange because I was like, normally I would create mood boards and like really get into like the concept and what I was going to shoot and all those things. But just having that break allowed me, I guess, just to go inside and really think about all the things that I'd learned, but in a subconscious way, it would just sort of come out. So I think giving myself that space and not being bombarded with content really allowed me just to like lean into the things that I wanted to create. And this might lead into one of the questions we're going to talk about was like, I sort of discovered that there was this creative momentum. Like I never knew what that was until this sort of period of time. So if you can't afford to take 35 days off social media, I would just even invite you to like start with taking weekends off. Just give yourself some kind of space to like not constantly consume content. Maybe that could even just be like a week here and there just to really give yourself a break, I think is really huge in what we do currently because we're just consuming content so much. I don't know how you feel about that, Megan. Oh, I, yes. (laughs) I don't take many breaks, but when I do, I'm completely in agreement that it's just such, I like your wording, a winning streak. It feels so refreshing and good. It's like you can't get it any other way. So creating from within, that's so hard because we are so programmed to get inspiration from Pinterest and from all of the platforms. So when you're forced to actually go inside yourself and create that way, it is kind of scary, I think, for a lot of people. But there's so much value and magic in it. So talk to us a little bit about that because I think for me, when I do that, tapping into creativity in other ways is a really good way to kind of jumpstart what I'm looking for internally. Um, So like for me, like just getting out some paints or sitting with my boys and doing an art project. I mean, it can be as simple as that or writing in my journal about something random. So what are some other ways to kind of jumpstart that creativity? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to say is just you had mentioned something is, you know, it can be scary. And I think what I used to find was like I would be really attached to the results. And if I didn't get good results, I would tell myself I wasn't good enough. And that pressure to create really discouraged me for a long time. And so what I started to tell myself every time I go into 
anything that I do is that I trust that I can do it and I'm going to come out with something good. And so I, I always tell myself to trust yourself. So even if you're going inside to, you know, look for that inspiration or creativity, just trust that you will actually get to the result that you want. And I think that's helped me immensely. And maybe, you know, you need a little bit of time to be able to trust yourself. But I think that was one of the biggest things that has really helped me. Um, Now, in terms of like finding that inspiration or creativity, I think it can come from anywhere. So anything that you find joy in, I mean, I'm a photographer and when it comes to lighting, I'm a little bit of a nerd. But what I do is I really try every day to get outside and there's like you know a couple of days where I have like routines of um like the exercise that I do but there's like three times a week that I go outside for quite a long walk and what I love to do at that point I just love looking at the light around me and so that's just a really little activity that I find fills my cup like it energizes me but it also at the same time you know going back to that chocolate cake that you were talking about When I go for a walk, I really think about how the lighting makes me feel inside, especially during summer. I love it so much. So you can actually do these things in so many different ways. It doesn't even have to be something that we consider to be creating. So like if maybe you don't draw or you don't paint or you don't bake, there's so many ways that you can actually find things that is going to I guess like ignite something in you. I even find when I'm reading certain books, like there'll be quotes that just really move me. I write them down and like there's so many things can come out of that. So I think about the things that you really enjoy and then just like how you can use those feelings or those things that come up to sort of bring that to your work. I'm going to use a line that you said earlier, what stops you in your tracks? So not just when you're scrolling through social media, but what stops you in your tracks when you're out walking around the neighborhood? I love that you notice that just certain lighting kind of ignites something inside of you. And as you were saying that, I was like, okay, so I have this little list that I compile all the time. It's called my super nerdy. Sorry. (laughs) This is like my joy list. (laughs) And anytime I notice something that just it fills me up with joy. I write it on my list. And then when I'm feeling like garbage on any given day, I go back to that list and then I try to like find something that I can do to reignite it. So one of the things on my list is walking outside right before the sun setting. And I mean, I never could like pinpoint why, but as you were saying lighting, I was like, well, maybe that's it. Maybe it's the lighting that I like. The warmth. And yeah, I would yeah. really, I'd be interested to know if it is. And there's other things like I have some of my best ideas when I'm swimming laps in a pool. I find like I always wanted to be a runner, but if I'm honest with myself, I hate running. <laughs> but when I'm in a pool, I feel really relaxed and, you know, these ideas just come to me. Or it can be something as like aromatherapy. There's so many different ways that I think. And maybe that's got something to do with like relaxing and letting go. And because, you know, when there's something you're trying to remember and you, you just cannot force it out. But then like a couple of hours later, it just pops into your head. So I think when we're in that space, you know, these, at least I find if you're willing to be open to it, like ideas and things can come. Oh, that's so true. And that kind of leads into something you touched on just a little while ago, which is when things seem scary, what you 
really need to do is just start trusting yourself a little bit more. And that is such a hard thing to do because we overthink so much of our lives, I think, in today's world. And it's really hard to get back into the moment and just like being present and really trusting yourself, tapping into that intuition. But like if you think about it, it's really easy. Just stop thinking, (laughs) sit with yourself in the moment. But at the same time, it's hard because we all just overthink everything. Yeah. And I think there's pressure to create, you know, as well. Like we're always told that there's new content that we need to create as well. That's so true too. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is really great stuff. So Rachel, give us your best advice about how we can make our content better or like different than our competition. So I know we talked about this a little bit, like you see something that inspires you and you can maybe pinpoint something that you like about it and then you can make it different. But how do we make it better than our competition? Oh my gosh, exactly. So I read a book quite a few years ago from Steve Simon. He has a book called The Passionate Photographer. And he had this one line in there that was like, basically every idea has already been done. So you want to do it better. And the idea that he was talking about is like, well, what is better? And I think what he was trying to get across in that point was like, better is you. So do it like your way with your spin on it and really think about what your brand is or like the photography that you like, or maybe it's the type of food that you create and really take an idea and make it you or make it better. So that's something that I've always thought about. And I also just wanted to touch on that it's okay not to always have a hit because I think, you know, we might watch other people on social media or we see a lot of people like doing really great things, but you know, and I'm sure you know this as well as like we create content or we create recipes or photos all the time, but we're not always going to have a hit. And I think if we're always striving for hits, then I think we're sort of like pleasing the algorithm maybe or pleasing this idea, but like being unique is not an algorithm. And so I always, I don't necessarily strive for hits all the time. I just take these ideas and like, I will have hits in there. And often they're things that I was like, I didn't even think that was going to be as popular as it was. So really just thinking about how you can take that and make it better and make it you. And then I was talking to a friend of mine who was, we were joking that social media has really bad taste. And, you know, if I was always creating to have a hit or to please the algorithm, like I would only be making cookies with heart shapes. And so that wouldn't be like me at all. So I think that is probably like these things aren't, they're simple, but simple is not easy a lot of the time. So I'm really just thinking about I guess, how you can always take those ideas and just make them, essentially make them yours, make them better. Yeah. So making something yours is making it better, I think, because it's like incorporating your unique style, your uniqueness into it, which makes it better because you are unique. Everybody's unique and presents content in their own unique way. So I think that's a really great way to look at it. And you're so right, Rachel. It's not always feasible to aim for making a hit because if you look at all the content on your site, like what percentage of the content is actually popular? There's like a certain percentage, right? Not everything is going to be circulating through Google Analytics daily. So yeah, it's a very small percentage, but maybe there's something in your archives that isn't necessarily a hit, 
but that really sings to you and that you're like really proud of. You love the photography. And I think that's okay, right? Yeah, you have to do those things. And I currently like I am obsessed with shooting cocktails and I find so much joy in them and they don't perform as well on social media. And if I was to say, well, I'm just not going to do that anymore, I think that would be really sad because I really enjoy doing that. And I think too is like, if you've shot something like, you know, if we look at those Instagram accounts that do a lot of baked goods, if you do baked goods forever and then suddenly switch, it's not going to just be an instant transition. So in my mind, I actually like it when Instagram doesn't like my drink photography as much because I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to work harder and I'm going to make this amazing and I'm going to have such a good time doing it. And I know that there's people out there that are going to be like, wow, I really am inspired by that. It's like a challenge, right? Almost. Yeah. (laughs) Take on a challenge like, okay, you don't like it. I'm going to show you how awesome I am. Yes. Yeah. And there's that's the great thing about food photography and food blogging in general is that there are so many different things that you can tap into food wise. I mean, goodness, you could go. I like that you're now doing drinks. There are so many things you could do cakes and dinners and oh my goodness, the list goes on and on. So when you get bored with one thing, you can move on to a next. And yes, the transition isn't always going to be like really quick. Sometimes it's going to take a while to get people used to it. I love what you said earlier. Being unique is not an algorithm. I just had to repeat that. That's the greatest line. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that because we are so dictated by algorithms. Like, you know, there's like a Google algorithm change and like Pinterest's algorithm changes and we always are looking at stats and thinking about what we can do better. But sometimes it's like we, you really just have to create the content you want to create, not for the algorithm or not to be a hit. Because I find if you're creating for other people, to please other people, it's soul destroying in terms of creativity, for me at least. I agree. And the numbers can totally sink me on the weeks that I'm in looking at the numbers all the time. It I can feel it in my soul. It's like, oh, I just need to step away from the analytics and the, I just need a break. And I can tell, I love that you took your social media break, by the way. That's a really significant amount of time, but so inspiring because it's, like we mentioned, very scary to do. But taking those breaks, I think, from the numbers and the algorithms and all of that is really going to contribute to our success and also our creativity, which I think contributes largely to our success in the end. So how do you feel a blogger's style is actually defined? A lot of style comes from photography, as you know, but what else should we consider when we determine what our unique style is? Well, if I think about the food blogs that I like to go to, I'm actually not as connected as much to the photography. I think it's the way they create recipes. So not just necessarily the cuisine, but how they put recipes together or like how quick it is or the types of ingredients or is it quick and easy. So there's certainly blogs that I will go to because I love how they pair ingredients or how easy it might be. So I I think about like everything that I usually do when I create stuff is how I like to learn or how I like to photograph. So really thinking about like what makes you unique maybe with your cooking style or how you see ingredients. Like my husband always says like I pair the strangest things together and I think I get that from my dad. But how can you take those things that are unique about you and build that into your brand? 
I like that thought. It's like the kind of going back to what we were saying about tapping into that inner voice or that, what were the words, like trusting yourself as you create a post or a recipe. And that really shines, I think, when you can really tap into that. It's more about the feeling of the post or like kind of what you were saying earlier about pinpointing those one to three things about a specific photo, doing that same thing about the feeling of a post, right? Yeah, a recipe or, I mean, there's certainly if I think like, I am not the greatest baker. People might look at my Instagram and think differently, but I actually have to work really hard in that department. And so there's definitely food bloggers that I am like, I know when I go to one of their baking posts, they're going to teach me something that's really important as well that I don't have to like dig through the entire post to find. So whether that's like meringue or like, you know, when you beat butter and sugar together, you want to make sure you do this or have room temperature ingredients. So the cake turns out and like, there's people that I know that will also educate me on like, this is what you need to do to succeed in this recipe. And you know that like going there, you know, they're going to give you that. Yeah, I know that. And that's why I grew there. So, or there's certain, you know, meals I might be creating for dinner with like an instant pot that I know that they will give me alternatives that I can do if I don't have an ingredient or like there's things like that. And I go to those people because I like that they're empowering me to make the recipe. And so maybe it's not that for you, but like, is there something that, you know, you really have to offer in a certain perspective that you can bring to those posts and bring to that recipe? And how do you know what you have to offer? Maybe you don't, but you're just kind of intuitively in it and going with the flow. So I think like really paying attention to maybe what people's comments are. Do you get emails from your audience? Like what are people saying to you? Yeah, exactly. You could do that. I mean, even I would look at your significant others or people in your household will definitely be able to tell you what they love about your recipes or the way you cook that you might not have even realized. It's like, it's not until, you know, if you start watching yourself on video, if you're doing like sort of any sort of stories, you're like, oh, do I, do I really do that thing with my mouth like when I'm talking? <laughs> and so there's things that you do that you actually don't know until somebody tells you. So I think the people that you live with or maybe you cook for your family or extended family regularly, they might be able to tell you. So I would just, you know, ask them at the next family gathering and you don't necessarily have to like force these things. Maybe that is just a question you ask yourself and over the coming weeks if you're open to that some of those things will come and if you start having conversations with those people you'll start to like see a pattern that's there isn't that interesting how something can be so hidden for us and it's so obvious for someone else I know it blows my mind it's It's kind of exciting though it is it makes you want to ask more because you know people just assume that you know this about yourself or about your food and your recipes but you maybe you don't so (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. Like we can, like I'm in my 30s and I'm like, it's it's crazy to me that after three decades I'm still learning things about myself. So I think there's always something there. I like the idea of just asking your family or close friends, like, how would you define my cooking? What do you like about my recipes? I think that would be such an interesting and fun place to start with all of it. And just, I guarantee it'll be revealing for everybody. I had someone, a close friend of mine, describe my website a few years ago, and I was like, the way she described it was not the way that I would have described it at the time, and it was so funny. I was like, wow, I didn't realize I 
uh, that was like my what I was giving off but and it was good I mean it was positive but it's just really interesting to get another's perspective on that so what are your thoughts Rachel on specifically photography since this is your area of expertise can you give us some pointers about how to make our blogs unique we've kind of talked about this but do you have anything extra unique to stand out specifically through our photos I'm I'm sort of as you're saying that I have like Casey Marquis in my head when I watch some of those SEO webinars where he's like talking about progress shots and there's some food bloggers that I talk to who feel pressure to conform to a certain way to really make the post perform in Google and again we're going back to that like algorithm dictating what we do and it is obviously important that food bloggers have good SEO because that's how you get found and that's like a core thing that happens in your business and so in terms of finding your style what I think really helps is going back to that breaking down what you love about things that inspire you so there's kind of when I talk to people about this as an example people put photography into two categories they either say it's bright and airy or dark and moody but it's kind of the same as apples like we don't just have red and green apples there's like so many different varieties with just within red apples and so for me there's you know you can have dark photography but it can actually be dark and bright so if you look at my photography I don't do dark I do dark and bright and so making these little distinctions I think really helps you uncover what you like So I would just encourage you if for whatever that is, if you've lumped it into two categories, that maybe there's more than two categories or maybe there's something within that that can really help you understand what you love about particular photography. And if I'm thinking about the food blocks that I like, I think there is opportunity to have different lighting. So if you do a lot of like bright lighting, you can have bright But then bright and airy is something different again. And I think there's bright and moody. So it's like, how can you sort of take those little differences and work that into your photography? Because I think that example will still help you have like this cohesive style that you want to have across your blog. But like, would it be the end of the world if you always shot bright and you shot something that was moody on your blog? And thinking about a couple of friends that I talk to when they struggle with, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do the progress shots, but I really want it to have like this. I would just be like, you probably need to test both. I would think in some aspects, conforming to things are going to help people execute the post. But also I think if it's really calling you to do something, um, I would definitely try it because I look at anyone who's been really successful it's because they tried a lot of stuff and if that idea is still calling you and they and they went and did that, I think that's where a lot of people find success because they fail a lot and they try different things. I love that experimenting a lot and not seeing, quote, failure <laughs> as an excuse to stop, but instead as a, you know, kind of encouragement to keep moving and find what calls to you, what sings to you. And then taking a step back and just kind of figuring out like what are those details about your own style that you really are consistent with? Like you said, like it doesn't have to be bright or dark. You can define photography in so many different ways. So as you were talking, I was thinking like 
just writing down some details about what you see consistently in your photos. And that would help you kind of wrap your head around a style. But it's not bad to branch out though, right? Like a lot of my photography is very colorful, but also I like the lighting light, like bright. But it would be worthwhile to branch out into dark and see what I thought of that and just test it out. I mean, once you have a certain style, you don't have to stick with it 100% of the time. No. And I think as a photographer, that's, you know, you have client work and they'll want you to execute something that sometimes is like not even close to your style. And you're thinking, well, why did you hire me? (laughs) Um, But part of being a photographer is about problem solving. So being able to like I will, I shot something the other day and I was like, oh, this looks like really not what I usually do. And it looks like a style that you'd see in like one of those British food magazines. And I think sometimes just going with it and creating something, it can reveal a lot, but you can still bring elements in that are your, to your style. So the way I edit or the way I use light um, is always going to be very similar, even if the actual styling and prop use looks quite different to what I usually do. Hmm, I like that. So having a list of what your signature elements are might be helpful when you're branching out into a new style. So you can keep some of those same things while... Yeah, and maybe you'll discover a little bit more about what those things are for you. Yeah, that's great. Wow, this has been great. Okay, Rachel, we're kind of ending our time here coming up on our end, but do you have anything that you feel like we've missed that we absolutely need to cover before we say goodbye? I just wanted to cover this idea of of the creative momentum just a little bit more. And that's something that came out of the 35-day social media detox was when I talked about that feeling of a winning streak. Well, I was like, why is this happening right now? And like, how did I get here? And I was really trying to think about it because it's something that I always wanted. Like we always want to create great work all the time. Like that would just be amazing. And I was like, why right now is this, or do I feel like this is happening? And I think the space from social media really just gave me the ability to just really create great work. And then I think a lot of us have experienced that we get on a roll of doing stuff and it just feels like everything else we do is easier. And so if you ever feel like you're in that space where you have momentum, maybe it's with creating certain content or great recipes or photography, that the best way to harness that is then to turn it into a habit because momentum in a way feeds itself. So if you can really, if you're on that winning streak, if you can sort of take that and make it a habit. So whether it's like you know, you do maybe personal photography once a week or you do certain baking on a certain time. I think that is what I found is a good way to harness that momentum for a long period of time. That is such great advice. I think there's such magic in momentum and I've always felt that just flow of, um, there's like power in batching, you know, like batching work for that reason. Yeah. When you get into that, that habit. Yeah. Because think of those days when you have like writing, photography and editing on your calendar all in the same day, like within five hours and how much work and effort it takes to move from one of those tasks to another. And then you have to get in the groove. And then once you're in the groove, then you have to do something else. And it's such a waste of time. So now I just do like, I try my hardest to do all of my recipe creation at the same time and all my cooking and baking at the same time for that reason. There's such 
magic in like just harnessing that momentum, like you said, Rachel. Yeah. And food blog is like you you guys have got it hard. There's so many different tasks that you have to do. And I'm always amazed uh, by what you guys do in your business. So I think, yeah, finding out how you can harness your own momentum, whether it is batching or whatever habit you need to make. I just invite you to just think about that and try it because I found it to be quite, um, yeah, game changing in a way. Yeah, ride the wave of momentum when you find it because it doesn't always come easily, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this has been a great talk, Rachel. Thank you. Yay, I'm so happy to be on. Yes, I am so glad that we had this conversation today and I know that food bloggers are going to find this really valuable as well. So thank you for being here. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. So before you go, share with us a favorite quote or any words of inspiration beyond what you've already shared with food bloggers. Yeah, so I shared that quote from Steve Simon, which I'm always thinking about. But the other, probably the other thing would be if you haven't read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, it's such a great read. And I think one of the biggest things I got from that is it's okay to take a break. And that can look in many different shapes and forms. So there was just lots of things that have really helped me in terms of like creativity and how you define yourself and taking a break and all those types of things that if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. That's a great book. And I think we all need that kind of just someone allowing you to take a rest. What's yeah, you need that permission sometimes. Permission, from yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. You just need to be shaken sometimes like, okay, you're working a lot. It is okay to take a break. So I like that reminder. And that everyone's journey is different as well is is another thing that she sort of touches on, which I think is very important because we watch on social media and it's very easy to just think that the people who are successful just had it very easy or they're just better. But everybody's journey looks different. And if yours looks different, that doesn't mean that you can't achieve, you know, the things that you want to. Oh, great stuff. Thank you, Rachel. So Rachel has a list of resources relating to today's topic, and those can be found on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash two loves. Rachel, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. So you can come and hang out with me, see what I'm up to on Instagram at two love studio is my handle or two studio.com is where I do all my blog, you know, my blog posts about the how-tos of photography, um, and then I have some like courses and eBooks which you can all find links to on tulastudio.com. Awesome! Well, thank you again, Rachel, and thanks for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.